Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished individual from the US, Catherine Hyde. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashish Trust. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Catherine is the founder of Navigating What's Next, a coaching nonprofit and an LGBTQ communities. She's a senior director digital engagement of enterprise community partners. She speaks and trains on transgender understanding and sensitivity. She was awarded hometown hero by the Gay and Lesbian Community Center of Baltimore. And interestingly, she shared the award with Nancy Pelosi, and she serves on several prestigious boards. So Catherine, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? The single most defining point in my life, Ashutosh, was raising a transgender child um, before Google, uh, before there was an internet to, mm -hmm. to search on. Um, so that was a big driver of who I am today and what I've been able to become. In addition to that, my extended tenure over 24 years in a leading national nonprofit here in the United States brought me face to face with my privilege, with my white privilege, the way raising a transgender child brought me face to face with my cisgender privilege. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, I think the third biggest thing was uh, the creation of my coaching company, Navigating What's Next, where I'm trying to take all of this wisdom that I've learned and help share it out there. Fantastic. So uh, let's talk about Navigating What's Next. But before that, you know, when I was reading about you, you sent me a very, very fascinating story that you have had. You know, tell me about the incredible journey of your child and your realization when he at age four said something had gone wrongly, uh, wrong in your belly and that he was supposed to be a sheep. Yeah, it was, uh, my child was born in 1993. Mm -hmm. So this was right around 2000, I guess, that, or no, it was around 1996, my kid said to me, we were arguing over something, I can't remember what, but I'm going to use he pronouns yep. for this period. Mm -hmm. He said, mommy, something went wrong in your belly. I'm supposed to be a girl. Wow. And of course, yeah, I didn't know what on earth to make of that. And like mm -hmm. I said, there was, I couldn't get online and Google it. Mm. like you can today. Okay. So I went to the 1996 version of Google, which was a child psychologist at mm. that point, you know, the local expert. Yeah. And um, that person gave us horrible advice. Mm -hmm. It told us to discourage the boy play and uh, discourage any girl play and encourage boy play, wow. which essentially ended up shaming mm. my child. Mm. So that, you know, three years later, by the age of six, my kid came and said to me, mommy, I'm going to get a real gun and kill myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, kid, you hit baby lotto. You know, you're in a family that adores you. We have plenty of resources. You've got great support. How can you possibly be suicidal at age six? Mm -hmm. So it was a very difficult, dark journey, and it wasn't until my child was 15 wow. that I actually was listening to the radio and heard a story about transgender children mm -hmm. and how if you support them in their gender identity, that they flourish and grow and are happy, and if you don't, they become angry and participate in a lot of destructive behaviors. Well, my child was very angry and participating in a lot of destructive behaviors. Mm -hmm. 
so that um, that uh, radio program really opened my eyes, and I had to revisit this with my child. And um, yeah, she said, "Definitely, I'm I'm a girl. <laughs> Sorry, you don't want to hear it, Mom, but I am." Fantastic. So that opened up an amazing journey. And you know that realization you had, and you accepted it after a few years. Uh, Tell me, you know, you must have interacted with a lot of parents after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, how um, do people react to this? I've heard it all. Why <laughs> me must be the first one. I've heard it all, yeah, from how this is the result of our uh, progressive liberal politics. This is bad parenting. It must be the result of some trauma my child experienced. Um, and, and, and the other side of, of unwavering love and support from, mm -hmm. you know, the, we, we went public very early because I needed to find other parents. Mm -hmm. This was 12 years ago and it was not in the zeitgeist. No one was talking about this. Right. And so we went public and I was in, in search for other parents and mm -hmm. people I hadn't seen in 20 years would call me up and say, Oh my God, this must be so difficult. I want you to know I'm here for you and I support mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So it was the incredible range of human experience um, from people who were very mean mm -hmm. to people who were incredibly supportive and loving. Wow. Wow. And since then, one of the things in search of other parents I connected with PFLAG, which is the uh, extended family, we mm -hmm. call it. It's for mm -hmm. parents, families, and friends of the LGBTQ plus community. And I started helping other parents who were going through this journey. So I've since then worked with hundreds, if not thousands of families who have these magical children um, to help them figure out their journey because it's yeah. Yeah. unusual. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about navigating what's next. You know, sure. the organization that you created. Tell me about what you do there and how do you help so many people? Well, navigating what's next is like the, the capstone of my career because it takes all the learning I have as, um, as a leader in a nonprofit and combines it with all the wisdom I've gained from all of my work around um, allyship for the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And I offer coaching, training, speaking, around um, LGBTQ plus sensitive topics. Mm -hmm. So how do you welcome this cohort at work? How do you support these kids in schools? Um, I'm always fascinated talking with teachers because they see the next generation so much earlier than we do, mm -hmm. right? They saw this gender stuff coming up a dozen years ago. Just as my kid was doing this, they were starting to see it. Mm -hmm. And that I think is such a precious gift and helping them provide a safe space for every child, right? It's really hard to learn when you're not comfortable. Correct. Correct. So I, and, and I help leaders of nonprofits who are, who are struggling with leadership or want to serve the LGBTQ community better. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, and I tell my story a lot, a lot, because yes. it, it, it helps people. It helps it parents is. understand that one of the things that's so important to my story of Shutosh is we did a lot wrong. Mm -hmm. in raising my child and not listening to her when she was trying to tell us at that young age mm -hmm. and listening instead to our fear. We didn't know what this was. It frightened us. We thought it was an ooky thing. Mm -hmm. So we avoided it. We did a lot wrong. And still my child stuck with us. 
my child taught me unconditional love. And my child, my child kind of broke open my heart mm -hmm. to this amazing presence of, of love and acceptance and cherishing every individual and every story they have. So that's been, it's that a miracle. It's a gift <laughs> that I want to share. It's incredible. And as you look back, you know, uh, over the last 10, 15 years that you have been working with different communities. How has societal acceptance changed? You know, it's um, <clears throat> it's gotten much, much stronger. Okay, we saw in America here, we saw the passage of the, um, the same-sex marriage through the Supreme Court. And once that happened, the, the amount of acceptance of the LGBTQ community grew exponentially. It's... Um, you know, they say things are the most controversial before they're not controversial. Correct. Right? So same-sex marriage was this horrible taboo till the Supreme Court said, no, really, it's not. And then everybody kind of got on board. Now, 76% of Americans are like, yeah, marry whoever you want. Um, with the trans community, though, what's happening is that lags a bit um, because it's a little bit harder to wrap your head around, I think. And um, because the backlash to marriage equality has been to focus on the transgender population. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because that population is so vulnerable. The statistics around our children suffering from uh, assault and harassment are just horrifying. So this backlash is really very dangerous and we need to work on it, but it's happening. It's coming. The acceptance is coming and it's coming from the youth. It's coming from your audience. Those magnificent millennials, as I call them, who are raising these incredible children who I swear are going to save the world <laughs> from the craziness of humanity that came before them. Absolutely. So it is, it is moving along. Absolutely. So, you know, again, when you meet so many people in, in your conversation that you share your stories, I'm sure you're confronted with lots of biases, lots of discrimination, and at least you're in a country which... Uh, is far more advanced probably in its thinking, but large parts of Asia still don't accept something like this. So based on all your learnings, how can we remove some of the biases and discrimination? It comes down to actually, Ashutosh, what you're doing, mm -hmm. sharing our stories, mm -hmm. putting a face on it, putting a human being behind it. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I've been so active is... <clears throat> I think there is no more, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no more credible voice okay. than a parent's voice. Correct. You can look at my child and say, and call her a pervert. You cannot look at me and call my child. Correct. When you hear my story, most parents, what I understand, what they tell me is they're thinking either, oh my God, that's my child, mm -hmm. or oh my God, there but for the grace of God go I. Mm -hmm. That could be my child. And what would I do? And when you bring it into a human, personal level, mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no denying it. There's no denying that I adore my child. There's no denying that I did not want this. Right. I fought it. Yeah. But in the end, I had a depressed, angry, suicidal, self-harming child mm -hmm. that when I accepted her mm -hmm. for who she was, blossomed into this incredible, 
incredible, loving, productive, happy human being. Mm. How can you argue with that? Correct. It's not acceptance. It just is. Correct. So, you know, uh, a lot of the biases that children develop in school come from us as parents. Yeah. So, I, when I was speaking to someone else about a similar subject, and uh, I was asking them at what stage uh, of education for our children should we be, you know, openly talking about LGBTQ+. You know, they've got to be aware that there's nothing wrong. Right. And the way to do that, I get this question often. I hear parents say, I'm not ready to have that conversation yet. And I'm like, what's the that? Mm -hmm. I mean... This is, okay, you have a mom and dad, sweetie, at the age of two. Mommy and daddy love you. Some people have two daddies. Some people have two mommies. Yeah. You know, who you love is who you love. Mm -hmm. It's not, people conflate LGBT relationships with sex immediately. Correct. And they want to talk about the sexual aspects of it. And I'm like, you know, LGBTQ people don't have any more sex than heterosexual people do, yeah. right? And they have a whole lot of life that has nothing to do with sex. I know, very Exactly. I mean, they have grocery and bills and job problems. They have everything we have, including yes. marriage issues, right? So this idea that there's an appropriate time, I think the appropriate time is in the womb. Start early, you know? Oh. Ask, do you are you comfortable being a boy? Are you happy being a girl? What kind of girl do you see yourself as? Mm. Do you wish you were something else? Explore it. Mm. And your child will land in a place where they're confident and that's what we want for our children confidence our job as parents is to let them know two things i love you and wherever you land i'm going to love you and support you we don't get a vote in the gender identity or the sexual orientation of our children we just don't get a vote we nobody asked us we don't get to choose the only vote we get is whether we're going to love them and support them or dismiss them or um deny them Fascinating. You know, I've got to tell you this little story. My father was a, a brigadier general. And uh, I remember, you know, when we were three brothers and we, we were growing up, he always told us, I'm your father. I love you. To the outside world, you may do anything wrong. I stand behind you like a rock. I may disagree with you and I, can, I, may, I may whip you when I come back home between you and me. <laughs> But the outside world, you can do no wrong. And, you know, that gave instilled such incredible confidence in all three of us that we could do anything we wanted because we knew our father stood behind us. You know? Yes. And so that's a very powerful the, statement parents make. It, it is. It is the single most powerful thing I think you can do as a parent is to say, you. I love you yeah. and I support you. Very interesting. So, uh, you know, I also uh, have seen that there is a lot of challenges for the LGBTQ plus community at the workplace. Uh, what should be done to encourage much more inclusion? Well, I think the, this is coming up a lot, but I think like a simple, single, easy thing is to encourage the use of chosen pronouns. Okay. Right? Just put them in. In fact, I should have updated my name mm. on the screen with she, her. Those are my pronouns. Yeah. Um, and that just immediately takes a stand that I care. I'm interested. I'm making room for you. 
Uh, that's a very simple thing. Another thing I think is very important in the workplace is the creation of employee resource groups or ERGs or whatever you call them, mm -hmm. but a place where people who have a shared identity can come together and make recommendations mm -hmm. to the organization as a whole about how better to serve them. Okay. And, you know, a few minutes ago, you spoke about the incredible millennials and the Gen Zs. <laughs> and, you know, I have two sons who are millennials and I see them. I mean, they're, they're so different in terms of acceptance of everything. Uh, what, in your opinion, are the millennials and the Gen Zs doing to uh, increase inclusion very significantly? Well, I see them. First of all, I just have to take a segue and say one of the reasons I created Navigating What's Next in my retirement is because I don't want to stop working with millennials. Mm -hmm. I need to keep them in my life. They keep me young. They keep me happy. They're just amazing, amazing people. And the Gen Zs. Cool. Uh, what I see them doing is in how they interact and how they raise their children. Mm -hmm. They have a... You know, when I was growing up, my mother was told that Dr. Spock, this author on child I development, was the, was the expert on children, right? When I was raising my child, people told me, you as a parent are the expert on your child. These millennials and Gen Z folk are like, you know, my kid is the expert on my kid. <laughs> and they get that. So they understand that every child, if they have two or three children, they need to be raised in two or three different matters because mm -hmm. the kids are different. They have mm -hmm. different needs. Right. And that's what they're doing. They're meeting their children exactly where they are, each individual child. They're right. telling the story, the same work you're doing. Let's tell those stories. Let's support all these magnificent, diverse people that we have. And that's what they're doing. And it's powerful. It's so powerful because it's going right. to raise this generation of free thinking innovative confident go out there and be you people that is just going to make a huge difference i agree i mean I, i've often told all the young people i work with that you know you guys are going to change this mess that we will leave behind for yep. you and i said <laughs> every time i talk to you i get so much more confidence that you are the right people to inherit this earth you know. I agree completely. They are inspiring. Absolutely right. So uh, I'm now going to move to the last segment of our conversation, which is some questions okay. for you personally. My first question, Catherine, is that, you know, you work working with so many people in such an incredible area. What are some of the core values you believe in? Oh, boy. You know, I love conversations around values. Mm -hmm. Um I have come to this place in my life where my values are unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Many people have to go to a spiritual basis to get this. I believe we need to give it to each other mm -hmm. constantly and openly to be that safe space for mm -hmm. every other person we, we meet in the world to the best of our ability. We're not always perfect, oh, but that's a value we should always strive to have. Yeah. And then kindness. Anything that can be said, that needs to be said, can be said with kindness and respect. And when we talk in the workforce about difficult conversations or crucial conversations and people avoid confrontation, mm. one of the things that I like to work with my clients on is finding a respectful, kind way to say what needs to be said. Mm. Open, safe, all of that. So I think that's a huge, important value. And finally, service. I always 
want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And because of my personality, I'm kind of a little hard charging sometimes. Sometimes I'm not helpful. Okay. <laughs> so I really appreciate it when people can say, you're not being helpful right now, Catherine. <laughs> Because I care very, it's service. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Fabulous. And a, you know, a question uh, after uh, your values is that, you know, for someone like you who went through a lot of challenge when your daughter was growing up and was not willing to accept it, and then suddenly she blossomed into such an amazing individual, uh, at the stage where you are today, and as you look back, what does success mean to Catherine? I guess success means living into your full self mm-hmm. and helping others do that. Okay. More than anything, that's what means the most to me. Interesting. And a follow-on question from that is uh, who or what inspires you? Well, we've talked about them. It's those magnificent millennials and their Gen Z okay. <laughs> successors. That, yeah, yeah it's, it's the young folks. I mean, you know, in leadership, Renee Brown is just like, oh, my God, she just, she nails it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in, in the world, it's those guys. It's the young folks. that okay. they, they bring me joy. They bring me hope. It's fabulous. So, uh I've got time for one more question for you. And this question is uh, on failure. Um, Uh, Again, I have a new book coming out in 10 days on failure. And again, my hypothesis for a long time has been that for parents in Asia, uh, they never teach children, it's okay to fail. We are always told you have to be first in class, head of the line, etc., etc., and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. So I've, I've been working very hard to correct a lot of these. I, mean, well, I told my children the same thing, that, you know, you've got to be first in class. And yet we fail all the time. So my question to you, Catherine, is that what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes? You know, I think my biggest learning from failure was that two, two things. Mm-hmm. My biggest strength is also my biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's when the strength is applied in the wrong environment, it becomes a weakness. Mm-hmm. So to be wary of thinking that my strengths are always there to serve me, mm-hmm. when sometimes they can be there to trip me up. Mm-hmm. So just having that nuanced understanding of strengths, that they're, they're environmentally specific, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And the other thing is that we do not make our best decisions when we're rooted in fear. That's when we make a lot of mistakes. At least that's when I've made most of my mistakes. It's when I allowed the fear to be louder than whatever was behind it in my head. Mm. Um, So to just understand that when you're feeling fear or anxiety, to stop and deal with that Let it wash over you. Let it wash through you before you make a response. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, when we say the wrong thing to someone or before you make an important choice, mm-hmm. like whether or not to support your trans child, right? Fabulous. Christine, thank you so much. You know, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. I loved your example 
of the, who the expert is. You know, it started with Dr. Spock, and then you know, when I was growing up, it was Dr. Spock. Then we were also told a few parents, and the millennials are now saying it's the children, child who's the expert. Yeah. I mean, it's such an amazing example you've given. Thank yeah. you very much again. You are so welcome. Thank you. I've enjoyed this thoroughly. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.